In the heart of the Appalachian wilderness, secrets that defy explanation lurk in the darkness. One night, an unsuspecting traveler encountered something unnatural, something that had no place in our world. The Knot Deer, a cryptid with twisted, grotesque features and an unsettling presence. What was it doing on that desolate road? And where did it come from? The encounter left a lasting mark, a tale that would forever haunt the traveler's memory. And it was only the beginning of a series of chilling events in the Appalachian woods. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Knot Deer, a cryptid that lurks in the Appalachian forests. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror. You can listen to a new episode every week as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. You can now find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Deep in the Appalachian Mountains, the town of Hollowbrook was a place where time seemed to have stood still. The tight-knit community of residents lived simple lives amidst the embrace of the ancient forest. But a darkness had fallen upon Hollowbrook, a darkness that no one could have ever foreseen. It was on an unusually cool autumn evening when Aaron, a local teen, ventured deep into the woods, drawn by the allure of the forest's mysteries. He had always been curious, and the wilderness offered a solace he couldn't find anywhere else. But this time, his curiosity led him to a gruesome discovery that would set in motion a series of events that would change Hollowbrook forever. As Aaron roamed deeper into the woods, a stench hung heavy in the air. It was a sickening metallic odor, like iron and decay. The closer he got, the stronger the smell became, until it overwhelmed his senses. His heart raced, and a sense of dread washed over him. Following the stench, Aaron stumbled upon a horrifying sight. In a small clearing, hidden amongst the trees and undergrowth, lay the mangled remains of a human body. The gruesome scene bore the unmistakable signs of a wild animal attack, with telltale hoofprints surrounding the lifeless form. But it was the nature of the attack that sent shivers down Aaron's spine. This was no ordinary predator. The body had been not only torn and trampled, but also partially consumed, as if some ravenous beast had feasted upon the unfortunate victim. The victim's face was contorted in a final agonized expression, eyes wide with terror. Aaron's heart sank as he recognized the lifeless figure. It was Frank, 
the elderly man who worked at the post office, a pillar of the community and a friend to all. Tears welled in Aaron's eyes as he knelt beside the remains of the gentle postman. Frank had been kind to everyone, always offering a smile and a kind word. Now he lay here, his life brutally taken away by an unseen menace that seemed to defy the natural order. The news of Frank's gruesome death spread like wildfire through Hollowbrook. Shock and grief gripped the townspeople, who couldn't comprehend the horror that had befallen their beloved town. Frank's murder was only the beginning. Over the next few weeks, two more bodies were discovered deep within the woods, all sharing the same horrific fate, trampled, torn, and partially consumed. Hollowbrook was thrust into a state of paranoia and fear as the unrelenting nightmare continued to unfold. It wasn't long until sightings of something strange on backcountry roads and in the woods began to cause terrified whispers among the residents. Grotesque creatures resembling deer, yet they seemed to have the ability to walk upright on two legs. The ones who saw them said their eyes seemed to burn with predatory hunger, and their maws were lined with sharp fangs. That wasn't all that set them apart from ordinary deer. They also had clawed front legs, replacing the gentle hooves of the woodland creatures. The townsfolk had taken to calling them the not-deer, an acknowledgement that these creatures defied the laws of nature. As fear continued to tighten its grip on Hollowbrook, the townspeople began to piece together the mysterious deaths and the disturbing presence of the not-deer. In whispered conversations at the local diner and overheard confessions in the town's only church, a dark and ominous truth emerged the not-deer were the silent terror that had descended upon their town. One evening, as the moon hung low in the sky, casting an eerie pallor over Hollowbrook, Aaron found himself alone in his modest home. The walls seemed to close in around him, suffocating him with the knowledge of the terror lurking in the woods just beyond his doorstep. He couldn't bear the thought of his mother, who worked the night shift at the local clinic, returning home alone late at night. As the minutes turned to hours, a sense of unease gnawed at his soul. A soft rustling of leaves outside his window caught his attention. When he peered through the curtains, his heart stopped. There, just beyond the glass, stood one of the creatures he had only heard of before now. Its eyes brimming with evil, locked onto his, and the creature watched him with an unsettling stillness. For a moment the world seemed to freeze, and in that silence, a bond of dread was forged between Aaron and the not-deer. Summoning every ounce of courage, Aaron grabbed a baseball bat and raced outside, determined to confront the beast. But as he stepped onto the lawn, the not-deer was gone, vanishing into the night. His heart pounded in his chest, and his breath came in ragged gasps. He knew that the not-deer was not merely a figment of his imagination. It was a chilling reality, and it was out there, somewhere in the dark, waiting for him. The night had fallen completely, and Hollowbrook lay cloaked in an inky darkness. Aaron couldn't escape the feeling that the not-deer had vanished into the shadows, biding its time. His heart raced as he retreated inside, locking the windows and doors, knowing that the nightmare that had gripped his town was now a sinister presence lurking right outside his home. 
Rest proved elusive that night. Every creak, every whisper of the wind, seemed to bear the weight of dread. Aaron's thoughts circled back to his mother, who was due to return from her night shift at the clinic. The knot deer, whatever it was, had shown no mercy to their victims. He feared the worst. As the first rays of dawn spilled through the curtains, Aaron rushed to the window. He scanned the yard, half expecting to find a scene of horror, but everything appeared normal. There was no sign of the knot deer, and no trace of his mother either. Desperation drove him to action. He phoned the clinic and was met with the voice of a nurse who informed him that his mother had left hours ago. She should have already been home. Panic set in as he called the sheriff. He explained the circumstances, the terror in the woods, the encounter at the window, and the sinister presence that had approached their home. Within the hour, the town's small police force arrived at Aaron's doorstep. Sheriff Reynolds, a rugged man with deep-set eyes that betrayed years of dealing with the mysteries of the Appalachian wilderness, took charge of the situation. As Aaron recounted the night's events, Sheriff Reynolds furrowed his brow. I've heard whispers about these creatures, the sheriff admitted. The knot deer, they call them. They say they've been around these parts for generations, but until recently, nobody's ever got a good look at them. Just stories passed down. I've always hoped that they were just tales. Aaron's hope was dwindling fast. He couldn't shake the image of the knot deer, the evil in its eyes, and the disappearance of his mother. His voice shook as he asked, What can we do, Sheriff? We can't just sit here. Sheriff Reynolds nodded, his expression grim. We can't and we won't. We'll gather a search party and we'll head out into those woods. We'll be on their trail. If your mother's out there, we'll find her. As the morning sun bathed the town in a feeble warmth, the call went out to the residents of Hollowbrook. Concerned friends and neighbors came together, armed with shotguns and a fierce loyalty to their community. They were united by fear, but they were also united by hope, a desperate desire to find their missing neighbor and rid the town of the nightmare that had descended upon them. Aaron, with his two best friends Max and Tommy, were at the forefront of the search party. The trio, bonded by a shared sense of dread and a fierce desire for retribution, were pumped and ready to go. With their flashlights piercing the undergrowth, they moved deeper into the Appalachian wilderness, following the hoofprints and traces of the knot deer. As they ventured further into the woods, the eerie silence grew more oppressive. The stillness seemed unnatural as if the creatures lurking in the shadows were aware of their presence and were holding their collective breath. The air heavy with tension, each step taken with caution and uncertainty. Hours passed, and as the sun began to dip below the tree line, the search party made a chilling discovery. The woods were not as empty as it seemed. A trail of bloodstains led them to a lifeless form on the forest floor partially concealed by the underbrush. It was Sarah, a local shopkeeper, her body bearing the same gruesome marks as the previous victims. As the search party gathered around the lifeless body of Sarah, the forest seemed to hold its breath. The chilling reality of her brutal demise hung heavy in the air. Aaron's mind raced with fear and grief. 
his thoughts consumed by the disappearance of his mother and the horrors lurking in the shadows of the woods. Sheriff Reynolds stepped forward, his eyes bearing the weight of responsibility. This is the work of those creatures, he declared, his voice firm. A murmur of agreement swept through the search party, a collective acknowledgement of the sinister presence that had descended upon Hollowbrook. Max and Tommy exchanged nervous glances, their youthful bravado giving way to a chilling reality that was more terrifying than they could have ever imagined. Aaron's voice quivered as he spoke up, his resolve unwavering. We need to find my mother. We need to put an end to this nightmare. Sheriff Reynolds nodded in agreement. That's what we're here to do, Aaron. We're not leaving these woods until we find answers. We need to know more about these creatures, what they want, why they're doing this, Max added. Sheriff Reynolds nodded, his eyes filled with a mix of determination and unease. But nobody's ever been able to get close enough to study them. It's as if they're part of the forest itself, an ancient evil that's always been here. Tommy chimed in, his voice trembling. But we have to try, right? For our families, for the town. Aaron, his resolve unwavering, stared off into the forest. We need to find the heart of this nightmare and put an end to it. We can't let the not-deer continue to terrorize our town and take the people we love. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever ventured down a desolate back road at night? There's something inherently eerie about how your headlights cast their narrow beam, revealing only the immediate path, while the darkness on either side seems to swallow everything in its grasp. What could be concealed within that obsidian expanse, just beyond your field of vision? Perhaps a harmless deer, or, more disturbingly, 
something far more sinister, a knot deer. Knot deer are most commonly sighted in the Appalachian Mountains. The Appalachian Mountain Range stretches across 1,500 miles of the United States and Canada, running from the island of Newfoundland in the north to Alabama in the south. The mountain range makes up a part of several states, including Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, North Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and New York. So what exactly is the elusive knot deer? The knot deer is described as an entity that resembles a deer, but strays far from the norm. It is believed to be somewhat larger than a typical deer, adorned with a coat of fur that intertwines shades of brown and black. Yet its most striking feature are the large luminescent eyes that glow eerily in the dark, paired with long pointed ears. While some accounts suggest the presence of antlers, this remains unconfirmed. The knot deer is also said to emit an unsettling call, a bizarre fusion of deer and wolf-like sounds. Many accounts of knot deer encounters involve individuals stumbling upon groups of deer or spotting solitary deer that exude an uncanny aura, as if something were wearing their skin or attempting to mimic them. Yet upon closer inspection, it becomes evident that there's something profoundly amiss. Lengthened hooves, oddly proportioned limbs, jutting bones, and unnaturally large antlers. Such encounters can be extremely disconcerting, leaving witnesses with a sense of unease and foreboding. The knot deer remains an elusive cryptid, a shadowy figure lurking in the world's forests, defying easy categorization or explanation. The knot deer, a mysterious cryptid, is said to roam the depths of forests worldwide. While some argue it could be an undiscovered deer species, others believe it to be a paranormal entity with an unknown origin. Its exact habitat remains a mystery, but it's rumored to inhabit the remote and dark forests of North America, Europe, and Asia. Reports of the knot deer sightings have been documented in regions as diverse as the United States, Canada, Scotland, India, and China. In some of these other regions, the knot deer is described as a large, dark creature with a long neck and no visible antlers. Its physical appearance bears a striking resemblance to deer, yet with a few distinctive deviations. It boasts a thick, shaggy coat and crimson-hued eyes that exude an eerie aura. It moves with remarkable swiftness and silence, leaving no traces of its passage through the forest. If you aspire to catch a glimpse of the knot deer, be prepared for diligent effort. Start your quest by researching sightings in the regions mentioned, and venture deep into the misty mountains, dense forests, and desolate marshes. The best times for such endeavors are dawn and dusk, as the knot deer is most active during these hours. Equip yourself with binoculars and a camera, with a potent zoom lens, as well as a trusty flashlight for the darker encounters. Although the knot deer remains a cryptid shrouded in mystery, some continue to believe it lingers in the shadows, awaiting those who dare to venture deep into the woods. For those willing to invest time and effort, the possibility of witnessing the knot deer's elusive presence remains enticing. While the Appalachian woods hold many secrets, the knot deer is one of the most enigmatic cryptids said to prowl the region. Its eerie presence is enough to send shivers down anyone's spine. Here's a real encounter shared on Reddit. 
I resided in Waynesboro, Virginia for about five years, less than 10 miles from the Blue Ridge Parkway's north entrance and Skyline Drive's south entrance. I used to take nighttime bike rides along Skyline Drive. I always limited my rides to daytime, though, just to set the scene. One night, I was having an especially tough time falling asleep, so I fired up my bike and rode to the first overlook on Skyline, only about a mile into the park. It was around 11 p.m. when I arrived, and the darkness was intense. I killed the bike and immediately felt uneasy. I'm not typically the type to get spooked by the dark. In fact, I often prefer the dark in most situations. It allows you to see others before they see you and you're nearly invisible unless someone is actively searching for you. I find the natural privacy comforting. However, up there, it was different. The darkness felt heavy, oppressive. There's nothing up here besides wildlife, I told myself, trying to quell my unease. I was well-armed with my 44 Magnum revolver, a relic from my time in the Pacific Northwest, where I used it for bear encounters and such. So I knew I had the upper hand against anything that might be up there, including potential human threats. I didn't want to encounter anything harmful, though. And my main concern was startling a person who might react unpredictably. So I sat in the dark, leaning against my bike, looking at the distant lights in the valley below. I managed about ten minutes before I felt an inexplicable creeping dread. I had learned to recognize that feeling from my time in Iraq. It was the sensation of being watched, of malevolent eyes trained on you. I had felt it before when danger struck, or when imminent violence was in the air. The overlook had a sheer drop-off on one side, so I wasn't concerned about anything sneaking up from that direction. However, behind me was the mountainside, a dense, untamed forest. As the anxiety in my chest grew, I focused my attention on that dark expanse behind me. I remained seated in the dark, anxiety escalating. I heard sounds, a few rustlings, but nothing unusual for a night in the woods. I decided to head back home. The feeling wasn't subsiding. As I said, I was well armed, but I had no desire to encounter anything in the dark. As I started my Suzuki and began to ride toward the park gate, I kept my speed deliberately low, around 15 miles per hour, to watch out for wildlife. This wasn't the kind of place you wanted to wreck your bike at night, only to lie there injured until someone found you the next morning. I had traveled a short distance when I saw it. The term, almost deer, is fitting yet not quite accurate. It was like someone who had never seen a deer attempt to draw one based solely on someone else's description. The creature stood on the left side of the road, the mountainside. I saw its eyes first, long before my headlight revealed its full form. It was enormous, the biggest deer I'd ever seen. The absence of antlers suggested it was a doe. Its head seemed almost bovine in shape, affixed to a deer's body. Its legs appeared unusually long in proportion to its body, reminiscent of a maned wolf. Its body was grotesquely barrel-chested. I've always been unnerved by deformed wildlife, and this creature was no exception. I had to make it move. I didn't want to pass within a few feet of it, considering the potential risk of it getting spooked and colliding with my bike. So I stopped my bike, kicked the kickstand, and hopped off. I started yelling and making noise to frighten it away. I flashed my headlights from low to high, but it remained unfazed. 
I revved the engine, but still no reaction. I honked my substantial horn repeatedly, to no avail. I approached the side of the road, planning to pick up something to toss near the creature, hoping to startle it away. As soon as I crossed the other lane, the creature stood up on its hind legs. I froze and placed my hand on my gun, determined not to get charged by an angry and confused, deformed doe. It took two unnatural, jerky steps toward the center of the road, on two legs, before freezing once more and locking its eerie gaze onto me. Then it shook its head vigorously, similar to a dog with a toy, took another short step and began hopping on two legs, until it vanished into the darkness on the right side of the road. I rushed back to my bike, mounted it, and sped away as quickly as I could. I wasn't concerned about local wildlife anymore. My experience was strange and otherworldly, far beyond anything I'd ever known or understood. I never ventured up Skyline Drive at night alone again. One encounter was enough for a lifetime. There are enigmatic things out there beyond our understanding, or perhaps they're just passing through. Whatever it was, it wasn't from around these parts, that's for sure. It can return to wherever it came from and stay there. Hours passed, and the search party's senses remained on high alert. The anxiety in the air was palpable, a mixture of dread and determination that pushed them forward. With each step, the forest seemed to become more menacing, the shadows darker and more foreboding. Suddenly, Sheriff Reynolds held up a hand, signaling for the group to stop. He pointed to a set of deep, unnatural hoof prints etched into the forest floor. They were different from the typical prints of deer their size and shape hinting at the grotesque creatures they sought. We're getting closer, Sheriff Reynolds whispered, his voice barely audible above the backdrop of eerie silence. Tommy's voice quivered as he asked, Do you think they're watching us right now? Aaron's grip on his flashlight tightened, and he scanned the dense underbrush, but the not-deer remained elusive. It's hard to say. These things seemed to have unimaginable stealth. Suddenly, as if responding to the group's presence, the forest seemed to come alive. Shadows shifted and moved, and from the darkness emerged the first of the not-deer. The creatures stood on two legs, their bodies twisted and grotesque, resembling deer only in the most macabre of ways. Their eyes burned with an otherworldly hunger, and their fangs glistened in the moonlight clawed front legs replaced the gentle hooves of ordinary deer. Max let out a scream, and the group raised their shotguns in response, ready to fight back. But the not-deer were quick, and they attacked with a ferocity that was both terrifying and awe-inspiring. They moved as one, their movements fluid and deadly. The search party fought back, their shots ringing out in the stillness of the forest. But it seemed to have little effect on the creatures. The not-deer seemed to be toying with them, as if they were mere playthings to be swatted aside. Aaron could feel his heart racing as he swung his flashlight at one of the creatures, the light catching its grotesque face for a split second. It bared its fangs at him, its eyes filled with a ferocious intensity that sent shivers down his spine. The search party was quickly becoming overwhelmed, their shots becoming less accurate as the creatures closed in. It seemed as if the not-deer were everywhere at once, their movements too quick to follow. 
Tommy let out a scream as one of the creatures lunged at him, its claws ripping through his shirt. Aaron could feel his resolve breaking, his hands trembling as he tried to reload his shotgun. He could see Max and Sheriff Reynolds fighting back to back, their faces set in grim determination. But there were too many of them, and they were too powerful. Just as it seemed all was lost, a piercing scream filled the air. The not-deer recoiled at the sound, their heads whipping around to face the source of the noise. It was Aaron's mother, standing at the edge of the clearing, her arms outstretched. The creatures seemed to hesitate for a moment, as if unsure how to react. But their hunger overrode any sense of caution, and they charged towards her, their eyes glittering with anticipation. Aaron felt a surge of desperation, his fear transforming into a fierce protectiveness. He raised his shotgun and fired, the shot ringing out in the stillness of the forest. The not-deer stumbled back, its eyes filled with shock and pain. The other creatures hesitated, as if unsure how to react to the sudden display of strength. But it was enough for the search party to regroup, their shots ringing out in the night as they fought back against the creatures. One by one, the twisted creatures began to retreat into the woods. As the search party caught their breath, Aaron ran to his mother, his heart pounding in his chest. Her face was pale and blood stained her shirt where the knot-deer had clawed at her. But she was alive, and for a moment, that was all that mattered. We have to get out of here, Sheriff Reynolds said, his voice urgent. There's no telling when they'll come back. The group nodded in agreement, their faces still pale with shock and fear. As they made their way back through the woods, Aaron couldn't help but think about the creatures they had just faced. What were they? And why had they chosen to terrorize their town? It wasn't until they had reached the safety of the town that the search party realized the full extent of their injuries. Tommy had a deep gash along his arm, and Max had a nasty bite mark on his leg. Aaron's mother had to be rushed to the hospital where doctors worked feverishly to remove the infected flesh at the side of her wound. After that crazy night that the townspeople battled the not-deer deep in the forest, the creatures seemed to disappear, and though they were relieved, they couldn't help but wonder if they would return, or had they moved to terrorize another community. Aaron's mom healed and was left with a scar, a reminder of the horror they had faced. But as time passed, the town slowly began to heal as well. The memories of that night faded, and life returned to some semblance of normalcy. But Aaron couldn't shake the feeling that something was still out there, lurking in the shadows of the forest. He would often find himself gazing out into the trees, searching for any sign of movement. He knew that they couldn't let their guard down, not when there was still so much that they didn't understand about the not-deer and the evil that had brought them into their town. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to 
carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.